Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Let me recap the last few weeks, and then I wrote two sermons. I'm not sure which one we're going to go to yet. So that's why I have the iPad, so I can go either direction. Um, a couple weeks ago, we talked, talked about the Garden of Eden. God's presence was in the garden. Adam and Eve would literally abide in and with the presence of God. How jealous are we of Adam and Eve? Before sin, of course. And husbands are like, well, she was naked, so I'm, that was amazing. <laughs> they got to be in the presence of the Lord with no shame, no separation. In the cool of the evening, the presence of God would walk with Adam and Eve. Of course, we know it's Eve's fault, right? They sinned against God. And it was that sin, it was a rebellion against God that separated God and man. But immediately, God wanted to restore his presence. So he began the rescue mission. And we've talked about this in recent weeks. I'm not going to go back. Um, you know, God calls Abraham his son Isaac, his son Jacob, his 12 sons that create the nation of Israel. But they were slaves in Egypt. So God speaks to Moses, and the presence of the Lord came and touched a bush. It was the fire of God that was burning, and that fire drew Moses. I think sometimes when the fire of God is burning somewhere, the reason that people show up is that there is an innate draw on the inside of who we are, that it's like if the fire of God is burning somewhere, I want to go and be in his presence. Some of you are here today and you're like, I, don't, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I, I think it's the fire of God that is drawing you to his presence. So God calls Moses. He says, listen, you got to go down to Egypt and um, help set the people free. Um, the power and presence of God comes and he, he leads them through. Um, the, uh, doesn't matter. They're in the desert because God is leading them to the promised land. But before they get to the promised land, he takes them to Mount Sinai. And it's there that, for the first time, really, the power and presence of God begins to manifest on the earth. If you remember, the people were camped at the bottom of Mount Sinai, and Moses would go up to the top of the mountain, and then a cloud from heaven, like we picture a cloud, like a big white puffy cloud, a cloud of the glory of God would rest on Mount Sinai. And Moses would speak to God, and then God would speak back in thunder. Man, I wish I had asked the tech guys to get like a thunderclap sound effect ready beforehand. Oh, it's gonna be a lot louder than that. So imagine the awe of the people. They're there at the bottom of the mountain. Their leader, Moses, goes up the mountain into the cloud of the glory of God. And then that cloud just resting on Mount Sinai. And then throughout the day, they keep hearing that thunderclap that just rolls in their chest. Like nobody's coming late to church when you have that level of honor and fear of God's presence. It's like, oh, I don't feel like reading my Bible today. It's like, well, if you could have heard the thunderclap of God speaking, you would have read your Bible that day. Like, you know what I'm saying? A lot of it is not on God, it's on us that we don't recognize the awe and power of his presence when it touches earth. Moses comes down and he says, listen, God says we need to build a tent, and that tent is going to be where we, we meet with him, and we're going to set aside some of the family of the Israelites, and they're going to minister to the Lord. And then he's asked us to build this box and cover it with gold, and on the top of the box is going to be two angels 
and, and, and their angels' wings are going to go like this together. And God said, my glory from heaven will rest on what's called the mercy seat right in between those golden, you have that picture, right? Okay, I've been setting you up. There it is. So the Lord says, I'm going to, my presence is going to rest from heaven to earth in that tent on top of that box between those golden wings. You're like, oh, that's amazing. The thunder of God, the presence of God. It's all trying to get back to Genesis, that the presence of God would be manifest on the earth and that we would experience it. The, the cool thing is, as the people were getting around, there weren't a lot of street lights in the desert 3,000 years ago. And sometimes God would ask the people of Israel to move at night. So how do you move without headlights on your donkey? God says, I got you. My glory will come as a pillar of fire and be your nightlight. And if we're going to move at night, the fire of God is going to move and you're going to follow the fire of God. And then in the daytime, I'm just going to rest over that tent with a cloud of my glory, the same cloud that was on top of Mount Sinai is going to lead you. So that they were led by this glory cloud in the day and this pillar of fire at night, taking them to the promised land, the, the land of Israel. And the, the irony is because Moses had a moment of disobedience, he didn't get to go into the promised land. So his servant Joshua was the one who got to go into the promised land. And Joshua said, I'm not going without the presence of God. It's another story. It's a sermon. Actually, I preached it, I think, three or four weeks ago. Moses said, I don't want the promised land apart from your presence. Your presence is the most important thing in my life. And because God said, I'll, I'll send an angel with you. And Mo said, no, no deal. It's your presence or nothing. I'll, I'll stay in the desert and experience your presence, then go into, could you imagine the church today? If God's like, listen, I will give you an angel, like a 12-foot angel with wings and smoke and fire and all that, and he will stand in the middle of your church. And it's, it's the presence of God manifest on this angel. And we'd be like, that's, that's amazing. I'll, I'll take two. You know, like that? Yes, please. He's like, but it won't be my presence. It'll just be an angel. But Moses is like, nah, fam. I'd rather live in a desert with your presence than in a, a promised land flowing with milk and honey with an angel. God of the universe loved people so much that he constrained himself to living between the wings of an angel. He chose to send his glory as the center of worship. So these last two weeks, we've been talking about the ark. And uh, without recapping the whole story, you just have to pick it up on the YouTube. Um, people of Israel rebelled against God. They lost the ark was taken by the Philistines. It was returned. They didn't put it back in the tabernacle. King Saul moved the tabernacle to uh, Gibeon, but the ark was not there. And so here's a, a form of worship with no presence. But then David becomes king, and this is last Sunday's message. David says, uh, yeah, first order of business is go get the ark and bring the presence of God to Jerusalem. And he built a tent in his own backyard in Jerusalem, and it's called the Tabernacle of David. And it didn't have all of the formalities of worship, but it did have the presence of God. And 24 hours a day, seven days a week, people would come and David would lead in worship and in prayer to the Lord. 
There's a verse that I, I should have read. In fact, I think I cut it from my notes accidentally, which happens sometimes. But when I was reminded of it this week, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. We need Psalm 132. This is David's psalm talking about before he goes and gets the ark. He says, I will not enter my house. I will not get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. He makes a vow. He swears to God, I'm not even going to sleep. I'm not going to go to bed until I go get God's presence. Now, I think it's possible that we're speaking in hyperbole because I don't know how long it took for David to pray this prayer and then arrange to go get the ark. But I, I think this should be the prayer of our church, that, that we would make a vow, that it's like sleep is amazing. I love sleep. Like I love it a lot, a lot, a lot. But I would rather have God's presence than sleep. I love, don't tell my cardiologist, I love bacon cheeseburgers. And it's got to be a good one, but I love a good bacon cheeseburger. Amen. But I want to love his presence more. Speaking of food, this is a rabbit trail. I had an amazing, uh, we were in Sacramento this week for a pastor's conference, and then um, we drove up to Reading to Bethel Church because they had a healing conference on, on Friday night, the final night of the healing conference. Um, there was about 2,000, 2,500 people there, but um, there were 200 people healed of various diseases and pains and things like that. It was so fun to watch God move um, in the room. I'm going to give a rabbit trail on top of a rabbit trail. Here's a testimony from that night. Um, they were praying over people that uh, at the end of worship, uh, there was a word of knowledge and said, if you had maybe surgery and you've got either screws in your body or a plate in your body, we're going to believe God for healing. And they just, they prayed just like we did earlier, just, you know, hand on the shoulders, pray. And then later they were like, um, how many of you were healed? Uh, when we did that prayer for, for healing and things like that, and the hands went up everywhere, and they're literally counting the hands and writing them down. And they're like, hey, if you've got a, a testimony, we want to, if Jesus took the time to heal you, we want to take the time to celebrate what the Lord did. So people, you know, were up there giving their testimonies. And then I was kind of watching from the, we were up about halfway up, and I'm watching the guy on the right, old dude. Um, and when you think old, like, don't think 50s, young people. Like, <laughs> if I say old, older dude, because when I was in my 20s and somebody said old, I would picture 49, so <laughs> older than me. And um, he just started like, and he leans over and talking to his wife, and she's like, you gotta go do it. He's like, no. So he shuffles up and stands in line, <clears throat> and one of the pastors comes and is like, hey, man, tell me what God did. And you kind of hear him whispering, and they're like, kind of move him to the front of the line kind of a story. <laughs> so this guy shuffles up there. They go, tell us what God did. He's like, ugh. I don't really do stuff like this. This isn't my thing. My wife made me do this. <laughs> well, what, what did God do? Well, I, I forget, 20, 25 years ago, I was in an accident, destroyed my back, so they just fused 
like, I, I forget, he named them off. It was like four vertebrae all at the bottom, just fused them all together and then put plates and screws. And like, so what, what did God do? He's like, well, you know, for my whole adult life, that's about as far as I could bend. And then he all prayed and somebody put a hand on my shoulder and all of a sudden I realized I just bent all the way down and touched my toes. Needless to say, the place went bananas. Because, you know, like, you know how sometimes you hear, a, this is a rabbit trail on top of a rabbit trail on top of a rabbit trail. You know how sometimes when people give testimonies, you can tell, like, they love to give a testimony so much so it may or may not have happened the way that they said that it happened. This dude is not that guy. Like, and I watched the whole thing happen in the bird's eye view when he was talking to his wife, and she's like, you got to go tell. So, yay, God, for healing. Let's go back to the first rabbit trail. I love food. <laughs> this is the rabbit trail. No, it's not on my notes. Oh, we were in, that's what it was. We were in California, we were in Reading. And I, um, Josie wanted a, a BLT, so I just Googled, you know, best BLT in Reading. And uh, it was a little hole in the wall shop. It had like a thousand reviews, like 4.8. I'm like, well, that's, not, you can trick your mom, your grandma, your sister to give you a good review, but that's like you know, eight. You get a thousand reviews and it's, you're, you're still holding a 4.8, you got some game. But then I Google mapped it and I dropped the little blue guy and he spun around and it was like this gross little hole in the wall. And in the picture, there's like a line out the door. I'm like, yeah, that's, that, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> so we went there and got Josie a BLT, but I'm noticing there's a, a guy standing outside grilling burgers on like a wood charcoal grill, like huge, like commercial, but it was wood charcoal grill. And the smell, so I go in and I'm like, uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb that your burgers are pretty good. She's like, yeah, like world famous. I'm like, I'll take a bacon cheeseburger, please. I'm 49 years old, I've had a lot of good food. Might have been the best bacon cheeseburger I've ever eaten in my life. It was unbelievable. But that was, Friday afternoon. Believe it or not, I have eaten other food since then. <laughs> You're like, we can tell. <laughs> Sometimes worship or a conference or a moment at the altar is really, really good. It's a really good bacon cheeseburger moment in the presence of God. But if you don't eat on Monday, and Tuesday and Wednesday, you're gonna die of starvation. Because if you're just waiting for that one amazing meal, you're not getting enough nutrients. So you can't just have this great moment in the presence of God in worship and then not read your Bible on Monday morning. And if you really recognize the king on Sunday, then you wanna read his word on a Monday. And you wanna learn to be able to host his presence in your living room in the same way that we learn to host his presence in this living room. You, just, you put on a good YouTube playlist of worship and you put your stuff in airplane mode and you just take an hour and you just, you, yourself, your family, your roommates, you just enter into the presence of God. Because you can eat like that every day and you should. The invitation is set to the table. We just need to learn how to respond. Back to my notes. 
Let me read that verse again, Psalm 132. Just so good. I'm not going to enter my house. I'm not going to go to bed. I'm not going to give sleep to my eyes, slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord. I want this to be our prayer. It's like, man, I, I don't want to go another day. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to school. I want to have another church service unless we make a place for the presence of God to rest. We talked a couple weeks ago about worship being a huge key. It's, it really is the key that, 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 that worship can't be a chore. Like worship can't be something we do because we have to do. It's like, come on, hurry up, sing the song so we can hear the sermon. The days of the sermon and the pastor being the center focal point of a church service are over, especially over at Uncommon. And I think that God is transforming the body of Christ around the world, and especially the American church, that we take the pastor off the pedestal and we put Jesus on the pedestal and we just surround and we worship him because he is holy. So you look at this verse from Psalm, David, he was already the king. Like he was literally on the pedestal. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm stepping off the pedestal, and I, I, I don't even want to go to sleep unless I have perceived, uh, pursued his presence. So in worship, uh, we talked, I think, last week or the week before, um, Psalm 95, come into the presence of God. But how do we get in there? With thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise to him and sing songs of praise. So just what has God done in your life this week that's been amazing? Thank him for it. We're going to worship again. Just think, right there, whisper, Lord, I thank you for that bacon cheeseburger. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for healing the old guy. Uh, I thank you for the 200 people that were healed. I, I thank you for our pastors getting to go to that pastor's conference and getting a touch of heaven. So I just want you to really have something that you are intentionally thanking the Lord for. What I wanted to get to today, all right, now here's where I take a fork in the road. I, stop, 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 stop. I've got membership lunch today, so. Um, by the way, um, if you're not a member of our church and you would like to be, um, we're having a membership lunch today. If you didn't register, we didn't buy you lunch, but you're welcome to come and look hungry um, and just, just join. We'll be in the, the growth track room, which is on the other side of the lobby right here. Yeah, we'll do this verse. We'll do the Leviticus first, guys. Um, remember we talked about the, the tent, Moses. Um, Moses was the the leader of the people of Israel, and he was the one that would speak to God. But they, they needed to arrange the priesthood, so he got his brother Aaron to be the high priest. So Aaron is the one who's organizing the worship in the tabernacle, the tent, where God's glory and presence was. And one of the things that, that the priests were, were responsible for doing was to take fire from the altar, and then, because um, they were making sacrifices before God, and then they would take that fire and they would burn incense in an incense burner before the Lord. It was the job of the priests to do so. But we read this story in Leviticus chapter 10 about Aaron's two sons, also priests, and what happened when they brought their censers of incense before the Lord. Let's go to Exodus chapter 10 and verse 1. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, they put fire in them, they added the incense, and then they offered an unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to God's command. So, fire came out from the presence of the Lord, consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Moses said to Aaron, this is their uncle, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, among those who approach me, 
I will be proved holy in the sight of all the people. I will be honored. Aaron didn't have much to say about that. Just leave that verse three up. I will be honored. You might say, dude, what happened? Why did um, Nadab and Abihu die if they brought the fire and the censer? A, we don't know for sure. B, it is likely that they brought fire from outside. The verse that's used there is um, an unknown fire, an unauthorized fire, an alien fire, a strange fire, meaning that the fire they used to burn the incense probably did not originate from the altar. It originated from outside. It originated from just a campfire in the town. So you can't bring something that is common into the presence of an uncommon God. He has very strict rules about that. So much so that two guys died. And Uncle Moses was like, the Lord said you can't approach my presence and dishonor it. So they died for not honoring the presence of God. Man, I'm, I'm glad the Lord doesn't go to an American church. People would be pulling into the parking lot 20 minutes late for worship, wouldn't even make it in the building. Because you can't say you honor God and then come late to worship him. They brought in an, a fire from the outside. They, they brought in a common fire instead of using the uncommon fire, the holy fire from God's presence. Whether you are in a public worship service like this or you are at home in your living room, I need you to understand that the access point to the presence of God is thanksgiving and honor, that you honor his presence. That when they, like in that movie, I used the example earlier in worship, uh, I think it was A Knight's Tale, but I also remember it from a different movie. I want to say it was like a Richard Gere movie from like the 80s, but that the king was incognito. But then at a certain point, he takes off the robe that was hiding him, and he's wearing the royal robe, and then somebody puts a crown, and then everybody falls on their face because they recognize the presence of the king. I, I need you to realize that when you go into any worship service, that the king is there, and it is our responsibility to recognize his presence and honor it in how we come in worship. Because I think maybe people aren't physically dead, but I think there's a lot of people that are spiritually dead because they don't honor his presence. Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus, in John chapter 14, is promising to send a Holy Spirit. That the same Spirit that was in Jesus, he said, I'm going to send it to you. John 14, 23. If anybody loves me, he's going to keep my word. And my Father is going to love him. And we, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, will come and make our home with him. In the Greek, that, that term to, to make our home in those that honor and fear the Lord, that is to, to dwell, to abide. The, the implication is the manifest presence of God. That, yes, the, the, God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. David, in one of the Psalms, said, there's no, I think it's 51, there's nowhere on earth I can go and be apart from your presence. But what Jesus is referring to is that 
I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he is going to cross from the unseen world into the seen world. He's going to cross from the, the intangible to the tangible, and I'm going to dwell with you. My presence is going to abide in you. You're going to feel my presence with one of your five senses. So sometimes there's people in a worship service that are like, I just feel God's love. I, I feel like a blanket of warmth, or I feel like joy in my soul, or the hair on the back of my neck stands up. We're not looking for a, a fantastical thing to happen. What we're looking for is his presence. And sometimes when you get near a, a very powerful source of energy, the hair on the back of your neck stands up. Sometimes you can get really near like an electrical panel, and then it's got like a buzz, you know, like a three, four, 500 amp electrical panel. And it's like you can feel the energy going coursing through those wires. When you really get a revelation of the presence of God and you get near him, the closer you get to him, it's like his presence has gone manifest. It's gone from the unseen world to the seen world. And I can feel the presence of God. Now, here's the interesting thing. I am going to combine the both stories together. I'm going to skip the middle section. Yeah, I'm good. At, I should do this for a living. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood? We're not even going to read it. I'm just going to tell a story. Jesus is ministering. Thousands of people are following. There's a crowd of people pressing in on Jesus. The streets in Israel are meant for like foot traffic, maybe one donkey. So don't think of like a four-lane 183 highway. You've got houses on both sides, and thousands of people are trying to get through the streets to follow Jesus. The disciples are making, you know, like a, a circle around him, just trying to keep him from getting crushed because the people are so hungry for the presence. But there's a woman who's been dealing with an issue of blood flow for 12 years. And in Jude, Jewish culture, it, when a woman is um, bleeding, she is unclean, the Bible says. So she has to remain apart from the others, because the blood makes us unclean. Any blood except for the blood of the lamb makes us unclean. So she, for 12 years, has been away from the people in her community, probably living outside. She built a little house outside, spending all of her money on doctors, going to every rabbi, believing God for healing. Nothing happens. And she hears about this young rabbi named Yeshua, who's been healing the sick. And there was a faith that welled up on the inside of her. And here's what she said. If I could get in his presence, I will be healed. She honored the presence of God. She recognized the presence of the king in her town. And she, she didn't wait for the king to come to her. She tracked him down. I think so many times we'll attend church and be like, God, I'm here. If you want to touch me, you can touch me. And then we leave the service and wonder why we never felt the presence of God. It's because sometimes we have to pursue the king to get the miracle that we're needing. So this woman is like, forget it. Stuff the Jewish rules and the rabbis. I need healing. I'm sick of this. And she's pushing her way through the crowds. And she got into the very presence of Jesus. And she reached out. And rabbis would wear, you know, back in those days, they would wear like a, a big flowing robe. But then a rabbi would have a, like a prayer shawl, like a, something signifying that they were a minister. And she reached out and she touched the hem the tassels of that garment. Instantly she was healed. But the king said, who touched me? And the disciples are like, bro, every, everybody, everybody touched you. He's like, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me with faith and I felt power come out of me. 
Jesus, in his natural mind, wasn't even aware, I mean, I'm sure he was because he's God, but in his natural mind, wasn't even aware of her pursuit. But the moment somebody recognized that the king was in town and got into his presence and reached out to him, he felt healing power go into her. Why wasn't everybody healed that was touching him as he went through the town? Why isn't everybody in church healed? Why is it that some person can be laying on the ground and bawling their eyes out and just like, thank you, Jesus, for your love? And it's like they're under a waterfall of the love of God. And the person sitting next to him is like, oh, I'd go for a bacon cheeseburger ever since he said that. <laughs> you can be near the king and not recognize his authority. But there's always going to be somebody that breaks through the crowd and touches him and receives healing and breakthrough and deliverance and the love of God and power poured out in his life. I want us to be a people that breaks through the crowd of any other church. And I want us to pursue his presence, to pursue healing, to get into his presence so that his Holy Spirit is, is pouring out healing and love and deliverance and power and freedom just by getting into his presence. Well, I basically made the point of both sermons. Let's see if there's anything else. Oh, that's good. Last thought on honoring the presence of God while the worship team comes. Jesus, born, and raised, not born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. 30 years old, goes into ministry, calls the disciples, follow me. They follow him, he's ministering, he's preaching the gospel, revealing the love of the Father, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. And he's like, I got an idea, let's go back to Nazareth. Let's go to my hometown. Goes into the synagogue, reads the scroll, Isaiah 6, Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he says, Isaiah 6 has been fulfilled in your hearing today in me. He's, he's basically saying, Hey, y'all, the hometown boy, I'm the Messiah. Bam. Here's the problem. People didn't honor his presence. And they were like, uh, I don't know about that. This is a little Yeshua. Our, our kids used to play on the same soccer team together. My daughter was in math class with you. You were our next door neighbor. It's probable that Jesus was a a carpenter or a builder is what it's the word in Greek, like his father Joseph was. So they could have been like, ah, this guy and his dad built our dining room table. Like, he's not the Messiah. He's just a regular dude. And go back and read the story. Because they didn't honor his presence as the Messiah, the Bible says he could only heal a few sick people. It didn't say he wouldn't. It didn't say he wasn't willing to, it said he couldn't. When we dishonor the presence of Jesus, we limit his ability to heal us. So I want this church, I want this house to be a place that honors his presence. And not just on Sunday morning. Remember, if you only eat one good meal once in a while, you're still going to starve. This is a Sunday morning, this is a Monday morning, this is a Tuesday afternoon. This is a, we're going to cultivate and create an atmosphere where every time we can, we're going to honor his presence. We're going to 
pursue him. And sometimes you don't need anything. Sometimes it's like, I'm good. Life is good. Well, then you have something to be thankful for. And it's that thanksgiving that takes you into his presence. So sometimes you don't always need to search for the hand of God. Sometimes we just need to search for the heart of God. Hop up on your feet. There's a verse, Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew, make new again, a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation in my life. And then uphold me with a willing spirit. Chidera said, man, I was raised in a godly home and I, I did dumb in college. But I asked the Lord to renew a right spirit within me. And he said yes to the presence of God. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you would just be honest and say, man, I have not been living for the Lord. I have not been honoring the presence of the King in my life. My spirit needs to be renewed. I need to repent of my sin and ask Jesus to forgive me. I need to be washed in the baptism all over again. I need to return to the Father's love. I need to recognize the King and bow down. Today's your day. Whether you're here in this room or you're watching online, today is your day. Why? Because He loves you. He's crazy about you. Because God is thinking about you all the time. He, he is just chasing you down with anticipation of that moment when you return so that He can pour out His love and His grace and His power on you. So that he, before healing your body, He can heal your heart bring life to your soul, pour hope into you. But man, don't we need hope? That hope is found in Jesus. Maybe it's the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like that. Or maybe it's the first time in a long time. I want to lead you in a prayer. I can't pray it for you, but I can lead you. Everybody close your eyes, just bow your head, just focus on the King. Take not your Holy Spirit from us, Lord. Renew a right spirit. Renew. Make a new right spirit within me, God. I haven't been honoring your presence. If you're here this morning and you need to get right with God for the first time or the first time in a long time, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to lead you in prayer, but I'd like to know who I'm praying for. Would you be brave and just shoot your hand up real high? Just say, preacher, that's me. I got to get right with God today. I see your hands. Is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand up. I see your hand. Is anybody else? I see your hand over there. Is anybody else? Just shoot it up real high. Say, I'm getting right with God today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Good, good, good. All right, YouTube. Three people shot their hand up right away and said, man, I'm getting right with God. Stuff this noise of just going through life apart from the presence of God. So right there between you and that screen, just shoot your hand up and say, God, I need to get right with you today. Can we, why don't we all pray this prayer together? If you believe it in your heart, I want you to pray it out loud. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent 
and I surrender my life to you. Renew a right spirit within me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Give me eyes to see your presence. And make me holy like you are holy. Oh, you got quiet on that. Let's pray it again. Make me holy like you are holy. I receive the gift of forgiveness, of eternal life, of adoption, of your Holy Spirit. Thank you. Remember, church, it's all about being thankful. So, Lord, thank you, one more time, for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence. Help me to honor you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. Hey, the three of you that prayed, man, I'm so proud of you. Golly, I'm proud of you. Wow. For the three of you, and if you're watching on YouTube and you prayed that prayer, I want you to text the name Jesus to J-E-S-U-S to 817-405-2244. There's a link at the bottom of the YouTube as well. What that's going to do is send you a form, fill out that form, click submit. We're going to put your name on a light bulb on our Jesus wall and screw it in on your behalf. Then we're going to want to begin to pray for you and encourage you on your walk with God. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.